So leveraging AI in those ways is a game changer. And even if you don't have like the capacity or capability to build your own software, I highly recommend looking at tools like Magix. Even Triple Whale has some decent rules and uh, automations at this point. Today, I sit down with Eric Hanefi, who is a good friend and CEO of Ad Alchemy. Today, we talk about work-life balance during travel, his agency matrix, as well as how he's utilizing AI in his agency today. I'm Nikita from aspectagency.com, and let's get into the podcast. Eric, it's a pleasure to have you on. I know we've been friends for a long time, and I know I've been itching to get you on this podcast, but finally, it's happening. Welcome to the Scaling E-Commerce Podcast. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, it's been long overdue. <laughs> Absolutely. And over the last few months, uh, I remember you stayed at my place in Nashville during the Agency Founders event with Eddie Malouf and the Four Media team. So during those months, I remember I dropped you off at the airport and immediately you went to Thailand um, and you've been traveling all around Asia over the last few months. So tell me a little bit about that and how has that affected like the work-life balance in your agency? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Well, really, the last couple of years, I've always been heads down and I noticed how I was always kind of um, on the edge of burnout and uh, even just a 10-day vacation was really rejuvenating, but it never really kind of reset my nervous system, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, then I kind of just went all to the wall with traveling. And I literally flew from Germany to Nashville, like 12 hours. And then five days later after the event, I flew back 12 hours. And then one day later, I flew to Thailand for 18 hours. So uh, that was quite a hustle because I had like a... 32 kilogram suitcase, a 20 kilogram uh, like bag, and then a 10 kilogram backpack. So that's my first lesson. Minimalism, if you want to be a digital nomad, you definitely have to strip it down and not take all your camera gear with you. And yeah, at that point, it really sunk in what a privilege it is to have an online business, right? And really have that financial uh, freedom, that um, time freedom and location freedom, how valuable that truly is, right? Because I think we as entrepreneurs, if we are just heads down in our offices, uh, really chipping away um, at our business and our vision, we don't realize what we are building here or how valuable it is or what quality of life it can bring to us. Because just being at home and in your usual town, um, you know, earning 10K more, 50K more, or helping this business scale to seven figures, you can really feel it. But when you actually get to spend the money, and especially on an experience, not just on like a material object or whatever it may be, that's when it becomes so real suddenly. That makes sense. And yeah, there on after, just to put it uh, in a nutshell, I probably only worked 15 hours per week. <laughs> so it was like maybe Monday, 10 hour a day, then a uh, Tuesday, no work, Wednesday, three hours work, and then maybe on Friday, another day of two hours, which was really interesting because do I wanted to work more, but where I was, there were so many distractions that it was pretty hard to, yeah, uh, get a productive work, work schedule in. And that would kind of be my second lesson is if you choose to travel, make a decision, either know that this is going to be a phase where you are off, right? And you can live in phases where for a couple of months, you are heads down, 
work 10, 12 hour days or eight hour days. And then other periods where you're a little bit more laid back like that. So you accept that it's not going to be that productive or you really, really have to make sure that you can be productive by booking an Airbnb that has a good internet connection. Um, trust me, it's easier to mess this up than we think. Um, to have a decent workplace and to ideally have an environment that's not super distracting. So if you are in an area where there are a lot of friends or a lot of things going on, maybe don't get an Airbnb right in the midst of it, but more so on the outskirts so you can remove yourself and and, and recenter yourself, refocus. So um, from my level view, uh, that's kind of my experience with traveling. Right, right. Yeah. That's the one thing that I always like opens up my eyes whenever I leave my zip code or my postal code is like first it's always like shock and then it's like wow like I'm in such a grateful position to be actually to actually be able to do this and, and travel and, and all that stuff. So it's definitely nice to be in that position. And I always have a hard time also doing the work life balance, you know, when I'm out of town, whether it's like I do the bare minimum to make sure that everything keeps running, but I can't you know, make those bounds and leaps or set up SOPs or any of those sort of things while I'm out of the house, whether it's seeing family or going on vacation. So if you were to do it again, would how would you structure it differently? So that way, maybe you're, you know, you're, you're not working 15 hours, maybe you're working 20 hours, but it's more consistent output rather than like fluctuating. Right. Good question. Well, I mean, I'm very grateful for how it happened. Um, and also, like the sacrifices I had to make um, with maybe not taking on client or more so maintaining instead of growing, it was totally worth it because this experience gave me so much where, you know, it kind of ties back to what I mentioned earlier with the burnout. Now I feel so fully ready to just, you know, work. And I've never been so happy just being alone and getting stuff done. Like before I was always like, in this fear of missing out state where, okay, you know, I, I want to work, but then I also want to go out or I want to meet friends. But now it's just very clear. So I, once you are at a point with your business where you can do this, I would actually recommend trying out living in phases where maybe it's, you know, one month out of the year, maybe it's six months out of the year. This is up to you and your lifestyle choices, but where you are actually not working that much, right? And really living it up and really doing whatever you like, uh, being you know, in a different country with your family or maybe it's something completely uh, different, but uh, where something else in your life has a priority because really it's not all about work, right? And um, that's what makes it fulfilling life. And the thing that really bothered me or which caused unnecessary annoyance was that I didn't go into that period of my life with that expectation. I wanted to enter the year with like a heads down, full force uh, work mode, but yeah, that didn't happen. It was very inconsistent, like you mentioned. And that's why I think expectations are really important. Now, in order to get it more consistent and what I would do next year, if I decide to do this again, um, I will definitely make sure that my Airbnb has two rooms because it's not nice to have your office and your bedroom in the same room. It's definitely worth the extra bucks. When I uh, traveled from Thailand to Bali, I got like an Airbnb with like a dedicated office. And the first week I uh, locked the doors. I literally worked like 12, 15 hour days. And it was so nice. 
at the end, I was a little stressed out. So now I kind of balance it again, but that's really useful. Probably also being very strict with uh, your phone, like especially if you want an environment where there are a lot of friends, which for me was the case. I was kind of in the big German community. Um, you definitely don't want to be on social media or thinking about anything else that work for like the first half of the day or however long you choose to work. Right. Um, and yeah, I think that would probably be the gist of it. Yeah, I'd say those things that you mentioned have also helped me out a lot. I haven't thought of this, the two bedrooms one. That's a really good one I have to try out next is, you know, separating, you know, the fun and having like a dedicated workspace that, you know, like, okay, this is like where I zone in and, and focus on everything. So right. I really, really like that idea. When it comes down to the the airplane mode or like, I always have my phone on airplane mode until like noon, which has helped mm -hmm. me a lot. And I kind of translate that onto the vacation side. So like, I try to get up around like six or seven-ish maybe even eight o'clock when I'm on vacation and spend until noon getting all the most important things done. And I try to push all my client meetings to those times as well. So that afternoon yeah. I'm like free to do whatever I want. And on the days where I don't have any meetings or don't have any client calls, those are like my open days where like from morning till nighttime, I'm doing whatever I want. So those have all helped me out. And I think those are good tips as well. Now, yeah. To transition on to more agency side, tell me a little bit about agency matrix because I know you you teased it a little bit before we started recording, and I'm anxious oh, yeah. to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a funny uh, little quadrant I came up with uh, recently when I talked to another by friend of agency on that. Um, let me see. Can I um, share my screen here? All right. Um, yeah. So the agency matrix is a funny business because, of course, you know we run uh, growth partners. I had an agency in the past, a traditional ad agency, and what I've realized is that the things e-com founders, um, info product businesses, and education companies, they all face the same, right? How do they sort out great agencies from you know not so great agencies, to put it politely? And it's tricky, right? And why do I have authority to speak on this? Well, funnily enough, I'm also hiring agencies for my own business. Um, and, and what I've realized over time is that there's a certain correlation between the guarantees an agency offers and their competency. So let me illustrate this. Basically, we got a quadrant, right? So I'll just draw these lines. And... Really, the agencies we have out there, right? Many black sheeps do not offer a guarantee, um, but then there are also uh, black sheeps that do offer a guarantee, right? right. Um, so let's say we have like, uh, let me see if I can type the text, um, G for guarantee, um, NG for no guarantee, and then R for uh, results, and NG for no results. So basically, we have um, agencies that have a guarantee and that do deliver results, right? Yep. Then we have agencies that do offer a guarantee, but they have no results. And then we have no guarantee and results and no guarantee and no results. How do we categorize these? It might be surprising to hear that the agencies that do have a guarantee and deliver results aren't the only ones you want to go for, right? And there's a reason for this. Do you have any idea why, Nikita? Or what's, you've been, what's been your experience with these four categories? So 
this is more so if you're looking to hire an agency, right? This yeah. is the matrix that you look at. Exactly. Okay. So your question was, there are agencies that you shouldn't go with, even though they have a guarantee and they have results. No, more so from these uh, four categories, right? Agencies right. Uh, that do deliver great results and have a guarantee, that do deliver results and have no guarantee, and then no guarantee uh, with uh, results and so on. Like, what's your experience with them? Did you notice any difference um, in your interaction with them? I don't know how much experience you have with hiring agencies, but... Right. I mean, so far, all the all the ones that have guarantees but no results are always in my cold, like our cold emailing. Like they're, <laughs> I don't know if, if that's the fact, but they're always cold emailing. They're always like trying, like spamming my Twitter DMs and my Instagram DMs. Um, when it comes to guaranteed and results, it's usually an intro. Like mm -hmm. it's it, like I get an introduction to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, or I seek them out because of specific authority or status in the space. Um, and I, yeah, headhunting. Same thing with maybe no guarantee as well. As long as they, like, if I know they deliver results, mm -hmm. yeah, I would be looking for them and I would also ask for a referral. Right. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, maybe headhunting. What about like the ones no that have no guarantee and no results? I'm not even looking for those guys. <laughs> They're not on my radar. They're just like bots. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here's a funny thing. Like I just I removed these notes. And I hope this is not too confusing with the, the G and R and whatever. Maybe you could have spelled it out. But my experience with this is that, you know, of course, the ones that have no results and no guarantee, you could probably say they are like, uh, scammers, right? Now, the ones that have no results but a guarantee, you know, that's at best uh, like sketchy, right? Um, Questionable, yeah. Yeah. And with guarantee and results, I uh, categorize them as good marketers, right? They are good marketers and it, it's definitely worth working with good marketers, especially if they have a good guarantee because it's kind of a no-brainer. However, I would not be too fast um, to dismiss the ones that have no guarantee because what I've noticed is that a lot of times these people are the tr true professions. Right. And why is that? Well, this might be a bit controversial to say, but I would say that service providers almost evolve in a circle like this, okay? Everyone starts at a point where, you know, they can't deliver results and they probably also don't have a guarantee. Then they learn about marketing and they start offering a guarantee, but they can't deliver results yet. Then they improve their craft and at some point knock it all off the park and still offer a guarantee. And that's a great place to be, right? Those are really the people who are on the cutting edge. And I would say like the pro is that they are like really on the cutting edge. Now, as they evolve, they become professionals and not only have so much business, but also have the track record and the reputation to not need a guarantee anymore. They might still have one in the back end, but they will probably not scream it from the top of their lungs. Yes, the worst case the scenario. Season, right. Yeah, no, I've I've definitely like I've evolved into this. I'm slowly evolving out of providing a guarantee to no guarantee. So 
Yeah. I, like this, this fully resonates with me. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because like, it's hard to tell, right? Because yeah, it's really hard to tell, right? Is it like no guarantee, no results? Or is it guarantee and results? Now, of course, if you have a referral, like Nikita mentioned earlier, or, you know, you've been headhunting them, you've been following their personal brand. Uh, for some people, you can just tell that they're legit, right? Right. But sometimes it's hard to tell. So the safe bet is a guarantee. And a lot of times professionals still do offer some sort of guarantee. And sometimes I've noticed, depending on who you are talking with, if they have such an incredible track record and great reputation, at some point their business might grow to a size where it's hard for them to provide the results anymore. That, that's what I've noticed with a lot of big agencies is that they aren't the hungry dogs anymore, right? They know they get and uh, have a full pipeline anyway. They know they don't have to offer. They get bloated. Right. So they they aren't like on as much on the cutting edge anymore. So really the sweet spot is like somewhere in between. So it's hard to tell, but over time you will, especially when you've hired a couple of agencies and you've hit the spot and found like really great people, you'll be able to tell more and more who those people are. But yeah, this is just a fun quadrant on Matrix that I've realized because it's kind of counterintuitive that really the professions are the ones without a guarantee. No, this is super interesting. And funny thing enough is, you know, they may start, start off as quote unquote, you know, not having any guarantees or no results and they slowly evolve into becoming a professional. But they can also devolve back into scammer if they promote an unethical product or if a product that mm. is super over, like we know, like, you know, like a Dan Locke type, you know, they were probably really, really good at one point, but then they started to get really, yeah. really greedy and then started to provide unethical products, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the litmus test for this is personal integrity. Right. And you can tell with a lot of people, like I have very specific people in mind. When I talk to them, it's very obvious that they're not going to sell, right? Yeah, they like they care. Don't, yeah, they care. They don't use any sketchy or outrageous marketing and they just deliver results and they'll tell you, hey, look, um, we've had clients where things didn't go so well or these are realistic expectations. Those are the people you can really trust. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like I, I really, really like this. Now, one thing I did want to pivot out, like this is a really, really good matrix and I, I'm sure th like our listeners have gotten a lot of value from it. One thing that I did want to discuss with you, because this is something that's been on the forefront on, of my mind and I'm sure every single agency's mind, but how are you implementing AI into your agency right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. So one thing I like to ask the businesses I talk to this, how are you leveraging one of the most advanced technologies on the planet, right? And yeah. most people are dumbfounded because they realize, okay, you know, you're using ChatGPT for some copy. <laughs> um, and that's a great start. But how are, how are you actually leveraging it, right? Are you building API connections with ChatGPT to build your own software? Are you leveraging a tech stack to really optimize whatever KPIs you have? And for us personally here at Alchemy, we've uh, realized that AI is the future, right? When ChatGPT came out last year, like uh, a version, um, we were on it. And I realized, okay, um, in order to stay on the cutting edge, we need to invest into this. So I ended up actually hiring um, a dedicated team for this. 
and uh, we are building out our decentralized AI scanning scope. At the beginning, it's been fairly dependent on humans, right? But now there are more and more automation set up that make it extremely efficient. And right now, really one main component of it is AI optimization, which uh, you might have heard uh, similar things from different tools. But um, yeah, really the key here is making decisions faster than any human, especially when it comes to paid ads and scaling massive budgets. It's incredibly important to, first of all, get accurate data, right? Because since iOS 14, that's been the uh, number one thing why businesses have been struggling to decrease customer acquisition costs at scale. Because without that foundation, you can get the proper insights in order to make um, an informed iteration, which then, you know, creates this feedback loop, right? You get data, you get insights, and then you leverage those insights to improve the input. And right. um, those, what we call at an interconnected feedback loops, of course, there's more that goes into it. Those feedback loops really will be the difference between a 0.5 or a 4x return on ads then, if done properly. And we leverage AI and machine learning to basically not only have proper tracking in place, but also get really, really juicy insights that do create better messaging, do create better um, audiences, right? Right now we have the ability to actually create 20% lookalike audiences, which is double what um, the Facebook ad manager offers, which of course directly combats iOS 14 as um, one thing that you'll see when uh, when you research into it, one key thing of iOS 14 has been that the audiences have been shrinking. There are fewer data points, which of course make targeting and tracking much less effective. So leveraging AI in those ways is a game changer. And even if you don't have like the capacity or capability to build your own software, I highly recommend looking into tools like Magix. Even Triple Whale has some decent rules and uh, automations at this point. There are also some amazing automation specialists you can hire on Fiverr um, or freelance platforms that will literally build stuff like that for you to, to automate a lot of things and integrate uh, into your business. Got it. That's amazing to hear. And I like I know our agency is utilizing AI mostly in in the sense of copywriting and understanding a customer persona more. But it's also cool to see that you are utilizing it more so in uh, data points, tracking, and attribution sense to get better results on the ad side. Now, I wanted to close off this podcast mainly because we're running short on time, but I wanted to close it off with when you're using these sorts of systems like the AI scaling script or whatever the internal tool that you're using in, inside and building it out, are you utilizing it only on one ad platform? Or are you trying to go omni-channel with Facebook, Google, YouTube, TikTok, et cetera? Great question. So... What we've realized is top of our traffic is hard enough to crack on one platform. So usually our partners choose to really do that and then expand. Right. However, if sufficient budget is provided, we can just go hard on multiple platforms simultaneously, which can be extremely effective because when your ideal customer sees your brand and your brand only, not only on one platform, but basically across the entire internet, even their alarm app or whatever it may be, then you're going to build an air of credibility that is really hard to achieve any other way in today's marketing world. And if that's paired with like incredible copywriting, like you just mentioned, and you really hit those 
pain points or desires and really resonate with your ideal customer, then you're going to take over, right? And one part um, of that for us is uh, a comprehensive sentiment analysis where we uh, scrape the reviews of uh, the competitors of our clients. And then we identify the patterns of weaknesses, strengths, et cetera, et cetera. And based on that, we understand what the ideal customer is looking for, but not, for example, getting from the competition. And at that point, we can position our clients in a way where they uh, provide those unique selling points. And if you give a market what it's starving for, you're just going to take over, especially if you are omnipresent, decentralized, diversified, and not put all your eggs in one basket. That is amazing to hear. And I, I totally agree with you. Like you might as well focus on one first, build that out, mm -hmm. and then move on to the different channels. That's how we were, when we were working with ad clients in the past, that's how, you know, we scaled them up instead of trying to attack everything at once. Cause that just sounds, that just sounds stressful, yeah. man. Yeah. But with that said, I mean, it's a pleasure to have you on, Eric. I learned a lot on both like the work-life balance, the agency matrix, as well as the things that you're working on internally on, you know, catching up with AI. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm excited to check it out once you've fully dialed in the system and got to have you back on and showcase that when you're done with it. Yeah. Yeah. With that said, what's the best place for people to find you and how can people work with you? Sure. Um, ad-alchemy.com is the best place uh, to get started. Um, I can also provide you with a link um, to a video that breaks it down. Just recently, we've actually launched a third iteration of our decentralized AI scaling script, uh, for which we've been featured in a couple of articles. So they can read some more about that on the internet, uh, Yahoo, Digital Journal, a couple of other places. And yeah, other than that, uh, feel free to uh, reach out to me um, via email, eric at ad-alchemy.com. And yeah, that's basically Fantastic. Hit him up, guys. Um, <laughs> definitely don't want to sleep on the AI side of things. Eric, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much, Nikita. Thanks again for joining us on the Scaling E-Commerce Podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tips delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.